0: Hi, I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. It seems supply chains are critical everywhere, United Kingdom, Europe, and the United States as well as in China, Southeast Asia, and other parts of the globe. Badly affected, both due to the pandemic and other pressures. And the shortages of labour, which is partly due to the pandemic, but those uh, shortages were there previously, but now they really have increased substantially. So, supply chain critical. We've moved into the emergency room, but we're not yet quite on life support. The Thanksgiving weekend in the United States, President Joe Biden convened a roundtable discussion with CEOs and leaders of major retailers, consumer product firms and grocers on Monday the 29th of November. The roundtable came on the same day the Federal Trade Commission ordered some of those food supply chain participants to provide detailed information that will help. The Food Trade Commission shed light on the causes behind ongoing supply chain disruptions and how those disruptions are creating serious and ongoing hardships for consumers and ultimately damaging competition in the US economy. During the questioning, Meg Ham, president of the Food Lion, with 1,100 supermarket stores in 10 states, said, Our supply chain is strong and robust. There are ample products inside stores, but customers have changed their shopping patterns. Well, we can see customer patterns are changing all the time in the light of the pandemic, and more people are switching to online and away from going to stores where that's possible. In the United Kingdom, more people have switched to home delivery services. When it comes to creating robust, resilient, and efficient supply chains, it's important to get the right partners. And that was made clear in the discussions from the round table. Collaborative partnerships are how Ham described their own supply chains. The president asked if there was one product that was harder to get compared to others. Ham said there wasn't one particular product. They were focused on being able to provide a range of goods, including special items, at this time of year. Whether it's the everyday items or important items during holiday times or canned cranberry sauce, Ham claimed they're efficient in getting those goods into their stores. Rodney McMullen, Kroger CEO, said we feel great about our ability to serve our customers, and he thought that their supply chains were standing up well. They've planned to increase safety stock on more than 70 critical categories and they've leveraged data insights to identify complementary or substitute items so the customers won't be affected. Carlos Castro, us, Supermarket CEO, said that grocers were facing supply chain challenges, but he thought that most were being resilient and the customers could rely on them during this difficult period. On November the 29th, the Federal Trade Commission launched an inquiry into supply chain disruptions in the United States. They ordered nine major retailers, wholesalers, and suppliers to turn over information to help study the causes of empty shelves and sky-high prices. They want to know what's going on in the supply chain, why there are disruptions, bottlenecks in specific places, and why some categories are short. And They want to understand how this is impacting the economy and the hardships for consumers and competitive practices in the United States. The FTC says supply chain disruptions are upending the provision and delivery of a whole array of goods ranging from computer chips and medicines to meat and lumber. In addition to understanding those supply chains better, the study will examine whether supply chain disruptions are leading to specific bottlenecks, shortages, anti-competitive practices, or contributing to rising consumer prices the companies to specify the primary factors causing disruption and their ability to obtain transport and distribute their products. The impact of these disruptions with regard to delays and cancelled orders, increasing costs and prices, the products, suppliers and inputs most affected and the steps that can be taken to alleviate those disruptions. The FTC requires the companies to provide internal documents regarding the supply chain disruptions, including the strategies related to supply chains, pricing, marketing and promotion costs, profit margins, sales volumes, selection of suppliers and brands and market shares. So it's very comprehensive in its coverage. In addition, the agency wants to hear from consumers, retailers, consumer goods suppliers and wholesalers about their views on supply chain issues are affecting competition in the consumer goods market. So it's fairly open. So if you have anything to contribute, you need to get in touch with the FTC. The order was sent to Walmart, Amazon, Kroger, CNS Wholesale Grocers, Associated Wholesale Grocers, McLean Company, Procter & Gamble, Tyson Foods, and Kraft Heinz. And the companies have 45 days from the day the order is received to respond. It's clear that supply chain disruptions are playing a big part in the economy, and they are cause for concern, but suppliers and retailers are doing a lot to mitigate the risks involved. And obviously some have gone so far as to commission their own or charter their own ships to bring goods at distance from places like China. Better understanding the reasons for the disruptions behind the supply chain is the Federal Trade Commission's aim. And so gathering that data will be quite useful to understand competitive arrangements in supply chains. We probably have some of the biggest projects in the United States to understand how supply chains work. And I can't recall a time in my lifetime where such a focus has shone such a sharp light on the issue of supply chains. Understanding food supply chains, of course, is critical to ensuring food security. Anti-competitive behaviour is one of the issues which is being investigated by the Trade Commission because they're concerned that supply chains aren't competitive and it's affecting markets. And they're concerned about the prices, of course, because inflation is already at 6.2% in the US and much of that inflation is due to pressures being placed on prices from demand which can't be satisfied. Of course, if you want to make a profit, then one way is to let the prices rise or, in fact, create conditions that move prices upwards. But I don't think anybody is suggesting that right now. This is certainly just gathering the data. INFORMS is the largest association for decision and data sciences in the US and elsewhere, and Anna Nagurny said food supply chains have been among the most disrupted during the pandemic, after twenty months, many issues in supply chains remain. Nagurney is the director of the Virtual Center for Super Networks, Operations and Information Management at the University of Massachusetts, Amherst. She claims food supply chains are challenged and have had to contend with shortages of labor escalating, transportation cost, congestion issues, extreme weather conditions, and various trade policies on top of which various suppliers have found it difficult to get packaging material. She went on to say that some meat and dairy products are also hard to come by with less variety available on the shelves for consumers, and the price for meat, including poultry, has risen over 10%. Turkeys, for example, in parts of the country and regions may not be available at the weights desired. Bacon suppliers have increased in price, and steel for the cans is also Difficult to procure. So I think the findings from the comments by Anna Nagurni are similar to the experiences in other countries, and particularly the United Kingdom, where there have been labour shortages, 100,000 truck drivers down, and that's gone up by 40,000 during the pandemic period. But it's severely affected in the UK, of course, by Brexit as well, exit from the European Union. So there are other pressures at work, but certainly there hasn't been sufficient labour on the farms and in processing meat, despite some limited measures to encourage more people to apply for those jobs taken by the UK government. So it's still, it's still a similar situation, and certainly prices are on the increase. Inflation, not quite as high as the US at the moment, but it's 4.2%, so two percentage points behind But uh, going up, as I said in the last episode... Business Insight and Conditions Survey was initially set up in response to the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic, and it's become a crucial survey that enables rapid response to and informs policy decisions about issues impacting UK businesses and the economy, and that's what's stated on the ONS website. The survey asks questions about trading status of businesses, turnover, exporting, importing, supply chains, price of materials, goods and services, stocks access to financial support, and operational performance. So it's quite a comprehensive survey. The population that it covers is 2,281,179 businesses in the UK that are registered for VAT and pay-as-you-earn income tax. And it covers various industrial sectors and regions. The sample size is approximately 39,000, and the survey is every two weeks. So it's dispatched on every other Monday and it has to be returned within three weeks or so. So it's a very comprehensive and thorough ongoing survey. And it's fantastic because it's gathering lots of data that hasn't previously been available about the business environment and how it's responding. So it's a really good addition to the data set. I'm going to pick out just a few of the highlights from the latest survey results which were published on the 4th of November. Businesses not permanently stopping trading during the pandemic, 13% of them said vacancies were more difficult to fill in the last month and very similar to the September survey. 61% said they had no vacancies to fill a decrease of 6% from September. However, for October 2021, these figures were 41% and 25% for businesses with 10 employees or more. Across all industries, 14% of businesses not permanently stopped trading, reported they'd experienced a shortage of workers. Accommodation and food services were badly affected, 38%. This industry also reported the highest percentage for difficulties filling vacancies and, of course, staff turnover. The Corona Job Retention Scheme was estimated that 87% of furloughed employees returned to work, 3% were made permanently redundant, and 3% voluntary left their role, and 8% were classified as others. When it comes to supply chains, nearly two-fifths, 37% of those Businesses reported that prices of materials, goods and services bought in the last month had increased more than normal price fluctuations. And fifteen percent reported price of materials, goods and services had increased compared to September by seven and four percent respectively. In the last month, approximately one sixth of businesses were either not able to get the materials, goods or services they needed from within the UK, or they changed supplier, or they found alternative solutions. And this has been a continuing story since early September. Of businesses experiencing challenges within supply chains, 63% said they'd experienced major or moderate disruption to the business because of the challenges. So that's quite high, isn't it? 63%, nearly two thirds of businesses. 12% r- reported an impact because of recent increases in wholesale gas prices on production and or suppliers, and 2% reported production was affected. 6% reported suppliers affected, while 4% both. Production and suppliers. Another interesting finding from the survey was the uh, problems of getting hold of labour and uh, the industries that were badly affected. So I took a look at the detail and construction was quite badly affected with uh, 21% not being able to get the labour. Manufacturing was also badly affected, 17.6% shortage. And transport and storage, which we might expect with those uh, truck drivers and other warehouse operatives. But surprisingly, only 15, you know, 14.7%, you know, close to 15% short. But it's where it's short in the detail, really, that's important. And it's also important how these classifications actually um, are delineated. So, for example, you know, what goes into transport and storage. But the highest sector, as we mentioned, was accommodation and food services at 38% short. And that really is a a Brexit impact because uh, lots of those people in hospitality and people that worked in food were previously people who originated from the European Union, and they've gone back home. When we take a look at the detail of uh, industries having problems getting hold of materials, goods or services that they needed within the UK, it's quite interesting to look at the detail in the Survey results. Construction was an area with 43.4% difficulty of getting hold of materials, goods, and services. Yes, the business has been able to get the materials, goods, and services it needed, said 43.4%. Yes, but the business had to change suppliers or find alternative solutions, 25.4%. And no, the business has not been able to get hold of materials, 10%. When we look at the wholesale, retail, trade, repair of motor vehicles and motorcycles, 53.7% 53.7% said they'd been able to get hold of materials and services that they needed to get hold of. 135 said they had, but they'd had to change supplier or find an alternative solution. And 10.2% said they'd had difficulties getting hold of materials, goods and services. In manufacturing, 65.3% said they'd been able to get hold of the materials they needed, goods and services. 116 had had to change suppliers or search for alternative sources, and 10.3% said they'd not been able to get the materials, goods and services that they required. So that little breakdown across industry types was an interesting finding. Prices, of course, when you look all across the board, most people had recorded that the prices that they'd bought goods for had increased nearly two-fifths. 37% said that uh, the price of materials, goods and services in the last month had increased more than normal price fluctuations. So that's quite significant and much higher than previous results. And that's gone up through throughout the year. It's moved upwards from... December last year, when 13.5% of the businesses said that prices had increased, and it's now at 36.7%. So it's three times as high. So that's inflation. Wholesale gas prices are another issue. 12% of businesses reported production or suppliers were affected by the recent increase in gas prices. And again, the biggest impact is obviously on accommodation and food service activities, manufacturing, construction, and wholesale and retail trade and of course transport and storage but many industries are are affected right across across the board really but they're the biggest so some interesting data coming in from the Office of National Statistics and don't you just love it when it comes together and you're able to look at the numbers and not just the opinions of uh, the uninformed Some weeks back I reported on the Express Pearl that was in distress off the coast of Sri Lanka having caught fire. And it had various chemicals on board and there was an oil spillage onto the pristine coral reefs. And it damaged the local fishing industry as a consequence of the disaster. Well this week I caught up with the Express Pearl in an article by Karen McVee and The Guardian. And it was interesting to read because I hadn't realised this, but uh, the ship also had on board nurdles. Now, nurdles, in case you don't know, are these small plastic pellets that uh, are used to create plastic packaging. And they were on the ship. About 1,680 tonnes of these nurdles were released into the ocean as a result of the worst plastic spillage in history, according to the United Nations. And these nurdles, once they're in the ocean, they can cause all kinds of damage to the sea life. And the pre-production plastic pellets are very small blocks with tiny heads, made of polythene, polypropylene, polystyrene, polyvinyl chloride, and other plastics. And once they're in the ocean, fish, of course... And seabirds will take them into their body, ingest them. And apparently these things are the second largest source of micropollutants in the ocean by weight after tyre dust. Apparently 230,000 tonnes of these nurdles end up in oceans every year. And like crude oil, nurdles are highly persistent pollutants continuing to circulate in ocean currents and they wash ashore for decades. They're also toxic to sponges which attract the pellets and chemical toxins to the surfaces. Essentially, these noodles are fossil fuels, because plastic, as you know, it comes out of oil. It's an oil-produced product. The International Maritime Organization lists diesel, oil, and all kinds of chemicals as hazardous waste. But they don't list nurdles as hazardous waste, even though it comes from fossil fuel and it will pollute the oceans and destroy sea life and livelihoods. Apparently 20,000 fishermen in Sri Lanka have been unable to carry out their normal work of fishing since the spillage. Apparently when they go in the ocean, the plastic waste gets in the ears of some of the fishermen so it's a real problem and they want it classified in Sri Lanka as a hazardous waste because it's destroyed much of the local ecology sri lanka of course is the pearl in the indian ocean it's a fantastic island plenty of sea life great beaches and the livelihoods of the people there has been badly affected since this spillage so something needs to be done And the first thing that could be done is that the International Maritime Organization needs to classify nurdles and that plastic waste that enters the ocean as a hazardous waste. What will that do? Well, that will mean that shippers will have to treat it as hazardous waste and there'll be stringent rules as to how that cargo can be carried and looked after during voyages, which at the moment it isn't. Once something is labelled a hazardous waste, it means that it's likely to come inside the regulations and the regulatory authorities are obliged to step in and make those who pollute pay the cost of the clear-up. So it's enforceable by law. It also gives access to a number of agencies that can help with any clear-up or removal of waste. So come on, step up to the plate, make it a hazardous waste, save the planet, and save livelihoods. past so next time we'll look at Christmas past and Christmas present and we'll bring you all the updates what's happening in supply chains so there we are I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chain Reaction I'm Tony Hines I'm signing off I'll see you next time Bye for now. The Chain Reaction Podcast is written, presented, and produced by Tony Hines.